0: ...disengaging and neutralizing too much sherets we get to be learning about. So the Matmonim um, has a variety of objectives and benefits. Some of them uh, are related to the lesson we learn, to the actionable insight that we extract from the Gemara. Important is the method, how we do that, how we take a piece of Gemara that sometimes seems to be obscure and, and very technical and almost irrelevant, and how we pull develop the idea out, because what's important about the ideas that we develop is that they're authentically terror, that they're not just ideas that we uh, think of and pick up, but we're actually mining these ideas and thoughts from Hazal itself, from the uh, from the Torah, from the Gemara, from the from the Mishnayis, from the Rishonim and the Achronim, and how we do that. Part of it is that we get exposed to a variety of ideas that, that we wouldn't normally choose to learn about, like Tumata Tzohom yesterday or today. We're going to be doing too much They're not exactly the favorite pieces to decide to to focus on, and and because they're part of the Daf, we we are exposed to them. We learn about them, so it expands our knowledge and awareness of of Torah. And part of it also is to be exposed to some classical texts that, that one needs to know as a Torah intellectual. There are just certain things that we need to know. And today we'll have some some of that, as well as the other objectives of the Matmonim. Today we'll see two classical texts that are just very important to know. One is from the Sefer Achinuch and one is from Rabbeinu Bahaya. The Sefer Achinuch, as we've spoken often, is a a Sefer HaMitzvah, every mitzvah in, in each parasha, which the Mechabe, the author, wrote for his son and for other young people to give them something constructive to do on Shabbos. Uh, and in these, not only does he go through the primary halachot of each mitzvah, but he also goes through the reasoning and the philosophy of the of the mitzvahs. And that aspect of it, he'll treat in the piece that we're going to learn today. Uh, we, we're not sure who the, the chinuch is. It, it, it was written somewhat anonymously. But we do know he was in Spain in the 13th century, he was uh, from the school of the Ramban, and either the, he was the Raor, who was a friend of the Rashbor, they were Chavrusas, um, or he was a Talmud of the Rashbor, but he's from that period, from Barcelona, in that, in that period, 13th century Spain. Uh, and Rabbeinu Bechaya, there are two Rabbeinu Bechayahs, there's Rabbeinu Bechaya Ibn Pekudo, who, who wrote the Chovat Halvavot, one of the most important for him of, of Musa and Emuna and Bitochen. Uh, that also every Jew should know, should learn and know. Uh, that's, that's Rabbeinu B'chaia Ibn Pekuda from the 11th century. This is Rabbeinu B'chaia Ben Asher from the 13th century. Same period, same place, Spain, same school. So they might have known each other, Rabbeinu B'chaia and the Sefer Achina. Um and uh, this is Rabbeinu Bechaya ben Asher. So we, we'll learn two classical pieces of, of each of them, and I've uh, put them here in, in the text, in, in the source sheets in full, so that you can access it and, and have a look at it. But what we're dealing with here is is Tumat Shiretz. Uh The laws of Tumah, of, of being defiled by coming into contact with one of the eight creepy-crawly kind of insects that we're not allowed to touch once they're dead. this is, a, a is tame, once it dies, but it's still, uh, it's, it's not decomposed or anything like that. It's freshly dead. That has the power to be metameh. And that's a pasha that we have in Pasha uh, Shmini where the Torah lists the shiratim, the eight shiratim, which, which cause this kind of, of tumah, which is the chole d'achba, the tzav, the anaka, the koach, the lata'a, the chomet and the tinshamet, and we don't know what these animals are today. Uh, you can see in the English translation that I've given how they attempt to translate it, but we have no clear knowledge of what these animals are. So from our perspective, they are halachic constructs, they're halachic concepts. Um, anybody who touches them after they've died, is tame until the evening, and... Uh, and, and then further on in the Parsha, we have the din of not being allowed to eat a whole lot of animals, including These are disgusting creatures and shouldn't be eaten. Um, and there it's also animals that, that move on their stomachs, like snakes. or four-legged animals. or multi-legged animals. So you can't eat these. These are different halakhas. These are laws of kashrus. The difference with the eight shratzim is the eight shratzim, the, 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 the shiur, the amount that, that you chayav for if you ate them is smaller than other animals. Because for the laws of Tumah, they have the, the shiuris ka'adasha, very small, like the size of an almond or something like that. It's smaller than a kezayit. Uh, so for, uh, j- just as they cause Tumah in this small measure, so one isn't allowed to eat them in that small measure, not only in the larger measure. That's the, the difference between them. So what is all this about, the, the laws of Tumah? Says the Sefer Achinuf. So uh, if we want to get to the reasons of the mitzvah, I'm going to tell you something to start off with. Any intelligent person knows and understands that there is no human being who has ever lived who understands all the wisdom that there is. So this ties back to the Tumat the, the Tumat verse, Discussion we had yesterday, that there's a body of knowledge, of, of factual, of facts, which includes what the human race knows and what the human race doesn't know. Hashem knows, Eliyahu Novi knows, as we learned yesterday. There's a body of facts that are outside of human knowledge. And then there's the body, the subset of that is the body of human knowledge. And there's no question, so this flows very nicely from yesterday, that the body of human knowledge is smaller than the body of human facts. There are the body of facts, there are lots of things that are true, there are lots of truths in the world which we either don't know or don't understand. Even about Moshe, they they said that there are 50 levels of understanding and they were all given to him except one. And Shlomo says, I set myself up to understand everything, but it's still so far from me. Even Shlomo, the wisest of all people, says he doesn't get it all, it's not all understandable. Um, And then it's the second paragraph if we can understand the reason for the mitzvahs and the benefit that comes to us from any of these mitzvahs that's wonderful we have a, we have a great deal of simcha. but if we can't we we struggle and we can't really find the meaning we need to understand that with the, the, the wisdom of Hashem in everything that He does, Hashem knows the benefit to each of us in every mitzvah. We've got to know there's benefit to us. We benefit from a mitzvah. There's no mitzvah which doesn't provide benefit to the person who does the mitzvah. Um, but we don't always understand it. And the Chazal speak about why we're not given the reason for the mitzvahs. There are reasons why we're not given for the reasons. And then he says, but you might want to question me from, from the Posekin Mishle, and he answers that. Viatan, the third paragraph on the second page, after I've taught you this, that the wisdom of Hashem is greater than any other wisdom, which means that there, are, there is part of Hashem's wisdom that we will never grasp. Yet we know that Hashem will not give us things which are not for our benefit. Don't disregard mitzvahs such as what you you may and may not eat. And laws of Tumah, what you can touch and can't touch because you can't see the benefit. You can't see the effect. It doesn't matter. That doesn't stop us learning these halachas and observing them meticulously. <laughs> because we know it's all for the, for the good. Uh, and don't ask me about the matters of Tumayim, how can the laws of tumah? we can't make sense of them at all? Nobody understands them. You need to know that tumah can damage the Neshama. That's something that you need to know. Um, and if you say, how could something spiritual like the Neshama be damaged by an insect? What's that, how's that possible? A physical insect, uh, whatever these insects are, can damage my neshoma. How's that possible? <inaudible> Don't forget, the nefesh and the nashoma of the human being is in partnership with the body, attached to the body. It's part of a single system. That although the spiritual system and the physical system are two systems, In the human being, they become one system. They integrate into one system. And you have to think of the spiritual and the physical and the human being as one system. And therefore, as we said in the Pesach, physical things like food can affect the spiritual. We can be affected by these things. This can happen, that physical things can affect the spirituality. And he says, and don't don't be so critical of it The doctors don't know much about disease and their causes either. So even, never mind in in his time and even in our time, and, and we've learned that very clearly over the last three years, there's limited knowledge and understanding of, of what the ph- physicians and the doctors really know for sure and really understand. There, there's, a, there's a body of understanding the same as, in, in other words, like to In the area of medicine, there's also a to the There's a whole lot of, to in the sense, there's a whole lot of in, of knowledge that we don't understand. And and some of it we don't even know yet. We're busy, busy understanding all the time. So much more so when it comes to the matter of the neshama, we don't necessarily understand the causality of physical causes and the spiritual symptoms and consequences of that physical effect. So this can happen. Nevertheless, says the chinochet says then, even when we get to I'm going to have a go at understanding it. Don't think that because it's beyond our intellect that we can't have a go at trying to make meaning of it. Trying to understand it. To get rewarded for the effort. That one has to put in the effort. You don't just write it off and say, "This is laws of tumah and Tara, We can't understand it. We can't learn anything from it." No, you've got to engage and try and understand and try and get some sense of what what it really means for us, limtod devechefitz and to find things that that make sense. So that's the the kind of broad framework for the reason for mitzvahs in general, philosophizing about mitzvahs in general from the master of mitzvah philosophy, the Chinuch himself, who advises us of the of the limitations of thinking philosophically about the mitzvahs, and yet the importance of doing so. And then we go into Rabbeinu Bechayu, who asks a, a question on the Torah. It, 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 there's such almost chutzpah in Rabbeinu Bechayu's question. It's delightful. It challenges the Torah. and laws of Tuma and Taro, in these very laws of Shratzim which is what we're not doing, a, a specific piece of Gemara on Dav Samachtal, it's all dealing with Tumat Asheret. So I thought we would just understand some of the principles of Tumat Asheret. And Rabbeinu Bechaya challenges the Torah and says, I've got a problem, he says in Pasha Shemini. Why is the snake not in the list? The snake is in the list later on in the Perek, is something you can't eat, but he's not in the list of something you can't touch. The snake is the source of all tumor. Where did tumor start from? It started from the nachash in Bereshis. If it wasn't for the nachash, there wouldn't be tumor. So again, we see, understand Rabbeinu Bechaya comes from the same school as the, as the Sefer Achinoth. Yes, it's true that we don't know all the reasons, but we, we're allowed to engage. In, un- in trying to understand it, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar steps right into a philosophic analysis of the laws of Tumor by saying, why isn't the snake included? We should just say, what do you mean, why isn't the snake included? The Torah says, we don't understand these things. No, says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, I want to understand why not the snake. And he gives a beautiful answer. The whole system of the Torah makes perfect sense. The Torah didn't want people not to kill snakes because they're afraid of becoming contaminated. So the Torah was worried. People will say, I'm not going there. I'm not touching the snake. And and snakes won't be killed. So in order to facilitate people killing snakes, the Torah allows you to, to come into physical contact with them. An amazing idea. But later on it says, Ki You're not allowed to eat them, but you can't, but you can kill them. Because they're creatures that damage humanity with their poison. Some of them can cause disease. Some of them can cause fatality. You can't eat them. They're shekets. But, All that was forbidden with snakes is the eating. But you're allowed to touch snakes and scorpions. But these eight shratzim are disgusting but not harmful. So in a sense, the disgusting, we can have more contact with that which is harmful and disgusting than with something that is only disgusting but not harmful. And what we learn from you is amazing as I reflect on this and thought of it. Think of it in, our, in human interaction. It's so relevant for today. There are ideas out there in the world. They're free to roam. Any idea you can put out on the internet, you can speak about it, there's freedom of speech. There are all these ideas all over the world. Just as the animals are free to roam. Snakes are free to roam and scorpions are free to roam and the Shmonish are free to roam. They're free to roam around the world, just like ideas are free to roam around the world. How do we respond to them? There are certain ideas we can consume. They're kosher. You can take them in. There are some ideas which you can't consume, but you can engage with them. You can't absorb them and make this part of your worldview, but you can engage with them. You can discuss them. You can debate them. Those are like the animals that you can't eat, but you can touch. And then there are animals that you can't touch. They're the Shmonish they, they are so absurd. They're so, the, the ideas are so disgusting that you just disengage from them, you have nothing to do with them. Look at the world today, when you look at some of the ideas that you can open any page of the internet or a newspaper, any day and you will find disgusting ideas. Just keep away from them, don't even touch them. But then there are the ideas that are not only disgusting, but they're harmful. They're poisoning people, they're toxic. What do you do with that? That the Mishnah says in Pirkei it says Rabbi Elozo, you've got to engage in undermining ideas that are destructive and toxic. It says the Maralmi Prague that is really important. That the same way as you've got to learn Torah, you've got to acquire the Torah that is Torah. Part of learning Torah is undermining falsehood. When an idea comes into the world that is false, challenge it and undermine it. Because that's how you grow truth in the world, is not only by learning truth, but also by undermining falsehood. Because if you allow falsehood to exist in the world, as we have in the last X number of years the deceitful, the falsehood, actually destroys truth. And people don't know anymore what's true and false. You've obscured the boundary lines, and eventually it's mevatel the truth. There's more shekel than there is truth in the world, and people are completely confused. So as a Ben Torah, you have a chiyuv, you have an obligation to engage with toxic ideas and destroy them, like the snake. These are not tumah that you mustn't touch. Sometimes you just disengage. This is a crazy, ridiculous idea, and you don't even, you're not Mitya. You don't relate to it, you just ignore it and you withdraw from it. You don't want to dirty yourself, to be metame yourself by dealing with the But there are times when you have to engage and you have to challenge and you have to destroy and you have to undermine. Otherwise, you allow the snakes and the scorpions of the world to multiply and to cause harm to, to humanity. That same idea that we've got here in the, uh, in the Rabbeinu Bechayah, Uh, uh, about understanding too much Ratzim is an idea that we've also got to use as we operate in this world of good ideas, bad ideas, absurd ideas and toxic ideas into knowing how to sort them out and what level of engagement each one of these categories requires from us.